All right, let's, enough talk about that. Let's go to the middle of the Bible to a book called Proverbs. Right in the middle of the Bible. Why don't you go ahead and open up to Proverbs. We're going we're gonna to flip through the book of Proverbs a good bit tonight. Proverbs is not a book in the Bible that has a storyline. I'm reading through the book of Judges right now, my devotional life, and reading through Judges, it has one storyline or it has story after story, and all of them are fascinating. The Judges are terrible. The people are terrible. There's a lot of fighting. Proverbs doesn't have that. Proverbs is not like the book of Psalms. You can take the book of Psalms and cut it open and, and read it, and it becomes your prayer. Like you read a psalm, and it's instantly like uh, good for your, your soul. Or you read even in Mark. Mark is, has all of the narratives uh, and you, you walk through the Gospel of Mark, and there are the words of Jesus. There you see the disciples, and that feels real familiar. Proverbs is not like that. Proverbs is 31 chapters. If you sit down and read it in one sitting, uh, it'll take you about two and a half hours to get through. Proverbs. Proverbs has primarily three authors. Uh, we, of course, know Solomon. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, who is the king of Israel. So you got Solomon is the primary author of Proverbs. You have him listed in Proverbs 1, 1. You have that listed again in Proverbs 10, 1, if you'd like to have references for that. But also you have uh, something mysterious, a group called Hezekiah's men. I had never seen that, um, sad to say, until I was studying for it today. Proverbs 25, let me show it to you, 25, verse 1. These are all the authors I'm giving you. By the way, if you'd like to know dates, uh, Solomon reigned from 971 to 931 B.C., so it's very, very old. Hezekiah's men is going to be a lot, lot later, but Proverbs 25, 1. These also are Proverbs of Solomon, so written by Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah king of Judah, so when Hezekiah was king, they copied them. That's an interesting addition in the book of Proverbs. So you can put that over in an asterisk on the men of Hezekiah. Also, um, at the very end of the book of Proverbs, if you get there, before you get to the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31, the excellent wife passage has been the scourge of lots of women. Because you read it and think, who can live up to that? Nobody is that. Well, Proverbs 30 uh, tells us that there's another author. From Proverbs 30 to chapter 30, verse 1 to verse 33, the words of Agur, son of Jacob, the oracle. That's all we know of that person. So that person wrote chapter 30. Whoever the editor was, put them together. So you got Solomon wrote chapters 1 to chapter 29. Possibly chapter 25 tells us something about the men of Hezekiah, but they copied it. So then you've got Agur. And then chapter 31, chapter 31 gives us another. Chapter 31, verse 1 says, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. You wonder where did this idea of an excellent wife come from? Not from Lemuel, from his mother. If you're going to go look for a woman, this is what you need. That's what she told him. We know that Solomon didn't write about the excellent wife. He had 700 of them. Right? Okay, so Solomon, chapters 1 through 29, chapter 30, 31 different authors. What are the themes? Let's go all the way back to the very beginning. Proverbs. Go to chapter 1 of Proverbs, and we'll go through some of the themes. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to hear the themes. They're going to be stacked up here in verses 1 through 7. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings and righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the simple. To give knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7 tells you the theme. You know this verse. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the theme. The theme is to, dis to describe wisdom and to help God's people get wise. Why do you read the Proverbs? So that you can get wise. Wisdom is something that is gained by knowledge that is pressed in time. You can have knowledge and not be wise. You can live a long time and not be wise. If you live a long time with knowledge, that knowledge is pressed by time and you've learned some things, some lessons. Most of the lessons we learn are learned the hard way. My oldest son has never learned a lesson except, by the way, the hard way. He never read a lesson. He had to learn every one of them. And Proverbs are written for a young man so that he doesn't have to learn every lesson the hard way. There's some lessons you can learn by listening to the Proverbs. What are some of those lessons? I'd like to give you a couple. Uh, the first one is in chapter 3. Chapter 3, turn with me. I, I know we're, it feels like Bible drill, but I want to just take you backwards and forwards through the Proverbs and get a feel for the book. So one of the lessons is that a life lived for God is a happy life. A life lived for God is a happy life. Chapter 3, verse 21 and following. This is what the writer says. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. They will be life for your soul, the adornment of your neck. Then you'll walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie, lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. The lessons of Proverbs teach us that a life lived for God is a happy life. Not a perfect life, not, it's not without pain, but when you look at the aggregate of your life, it is a happy life. Let me give you another lesson from Proverbs. It's also in chapter 3, that a life lived for God is a useful life. One of the things you read Proverbs is this press to be useful, to not be lazy, to do something with your life. That's not a Western development. That is a, that's a God-given development. Where do we get that? Uh, chapter 3, verse 27 or 28. <clears throat> do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you. Useful. Or chapter, chapter 12. There's another place. Um, chapter 12. Around verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Or verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Usefulness. A life lived for God is a useful life. Or a, a, a life, chapter 9 is a beautiful chapter. Flip back just a couple of chapters to chapter 9. You have, uh, metaphorically, two women in chapter 9. Lots of women in the book of Proverbs. Like, everything is personified as a woman. Wisdom is a woman. A lot of you would say, well, of course. Wisdom is a woman, but also folly is a woman. We're going to see the strange woman, the woman to avoid. I'm going to show her, show her off in a little bit. Uh, chapter 9, though, a life for God is to be sought in chapter 9. So here she is. Look, look at the gender. It's a her. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out to her young women to call from the highest places in the town. And here's what she's calling. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come here, eat of my bread, drink of my wine that I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of insight. 
So the idea of the metaphor is a woman who is wisdom personified calling out to people that are simple-minded, come here. In a life lived for God, you see, it's, it's a pursuit. It doesn't just happen. It's not something that just you fall into. You don't accidentally grow in Christ. You don't accidentally become a more godly woman or, or a more godly man. It's, it's, it's sought after. Or I'll press it even further. A life lived for God is, is fought. I said sought, the first one. A life lived for God is fought. Let me show you where I get that. In chapter 9, verse, um, verse 13. So the woman of wisdom, she stands and calls to the simple, come in here, come in here. Come seek here. Now the woman who is called folly in chapter 9 is doing the same sort of thing. Chapter 9, you find verse 13. It's all the temptation. The woman, the woman folly, you see, she's, she's loud. She's seductive. She knows nothing. She sits down at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest place of the town. And she calls to all of those who pass by, who, who are going straight on their way, who are trying to mind their own business, but they're hearing the, tem the temptation. Here's a kid that now the first time in his life is off on his own, and there's that woman of folly sitting calling to him. Here's what she says. Whoever is simple, come on and turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says. Stolen. It's stolen water. There's some subversion. Here's the sin you want to do in secret. Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And here's the editor tells us, he doesn't know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Here is, a, when, I, when I say fault, here's what I mean, that, that, that the, the temptation is, is much more seductive. It's much... And for us, you have to fight that. When I'm preaching uh, in Mark chapter 8, and Jesus now says to, to all of those who are there, not just his disciples, but to, to everybody, to, to deny self. Remember that phrase? Deny self, pick up a cross, follow me. I'm preaching that Sunday. And that whole deny, so you stand outside yourself, you understand who yourself is, and in the morning you get up and you, you say, no. It's a, it's, a, it's a total fight. Our natural inclination, discipleship, is this denial. And that's what, that's what wisdom teaches us, what it is to fight. So that's the theme of, of Proverbs. Okay, so what are some of the topics? A lot of topics in Proverbs. I've picked just a few uh, sort of randomly because it's not a storyline, right? It's not a theme. So I just want to pick out a couple of topics. You can find other topics in Proverbs. There are some of them, uh, this is subjective, that I found interesting. So you're being subjected to topics I thought were interesting in the book of Proverbs. One of them is laziness. Absolute, abject. The book of Proverbs speaks to slothfulness. You can find all kinds of Proverbs in that say that the, the sloth, the man, he, he rotates on his bed like a door does on its hinge. All kind of proverbs. But I'll just give you a couple, <clears throat> or just one. Chapter 6, verse 6 and following. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways. So watch the ant. Be wise. Learn from this little insect. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, gathers her food in harvest, and then after that lesson, here comes this indictment. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? And then a little poem, a little poem that I memorized in college. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and the New American Standard. And poverty comes on you like a vagabond. Here it says, poverty comes on you like a robber and your want like an armed man. It's, it's, the, it's the idea of taking the easy way. One of the themes that runs through the book of Proverbs is that the wise man doesn't look for the easy way out. The wise man accepts work. He gets up and he does work. 
He sees that as a responsibility. He understands if you avoid that, then you are avoiding responsibility. That is not a godly way to live. A godly way to live is not to be a workaholic, but you accept the responsibility you've been given, get up and go to work. That's one topic. Another topic I found interesting is the topic of friendship. I didn't really see that coming. Chapter 3, verse 27 and 28. This, the, this is neighborliness. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. If you, if you have it, you can give it to them when it's in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow and I'll give it then when you have it with you. Share is the understanding. Or, or, or one way to understand it, chapter 18, chapter, uh, yeah, chapter 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin. So, so here's the thing about living in the South. And we can still call North Carolina the South, although my wife's from Mississippi. She would say that it doesn't count <laughs> as the South. It's not the, the deep South, but it's South enough. South enough, right? Yeah. Yankee, South enough. So the thing about living in the South oftentimes is that you can have lots of acquaintances and very few real friends. You can have people that you think are actually your friends. That's the thing about politeness is that politeness is, is, is it's, it's, it's tricky. You don't know if it's a politeness or actual friendship. And so the, the proverb here in uh, chapter 18, verse 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is, now we take this and we put Jesus in this, and it's a good application to Christ, but the writer of the first time, that's not what he meant. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So you might have lots of acquaintances, but it is good to have a, a, a brother or a sister, a friend, that is going to walk with you. That's one of the topics in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs has lots to say about marriage. I mean, a whole lot to say about marriage. Most of it, reading about marriage, has to do with quarreling, oftentimes with uh, a woman that is quarrelsome. Let me, let me, before you, let me read a couple of them. Uh, chapter 18, verse 22. He who finds a wife. Let me pause here. Here, if you, if you know a young man that's from 18 to 30 that are not living up to their potential, the Bible teaches you're not going to sit and wait and she finds you. Search it out. There, there is a... I don't need to go off on a tangent, but there is a the, the male marriageable pool index for young women from 18 to about 35 is so slim right now that there in our church we have multiple godly young ladies that are having a hard time finding men to go out with uh, because I don't know where they all went. I don't know what happened to them. Look right right now if you are if you know a young man that is 25 ish, give or take five years. If he can keep a job and he's nice to his mother and he'll come to church, he can get a woman. I mean, the bar has been lowered so low for you. You don't even have to look good. Run a comb across. You can get a wife. All right, that's my rant for a little bit. Let's come back to. I mean, do y'all know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? Like you, I mean, you, you, don't, you don't have to be that great. <clears throat> Just show up. Uh, chapter 18, verse 22. <clears throat> he who finds a wife, he who finds a wife, actually goes and, and looks for a wife, he finds a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. God putting the two together. That is an actual good thing, and you obtain favor from the Lord. That's a great verse for marriage. Chapter 18, verse 22. Let me give you another one. Uh, chapter 19, verse 14. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, that's a good house and wealth. Your, your father worked hard, your grandfather worked hard, you get some of that wealth that's transferred over generationally. 
I'd like to stand underneath some of that myself. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but this good wife, man, if you get that, look who that's from. See, that's from the Lord. Embedded in Proverbs, embedded in this book of wisdom is this story of how good it is for a man and a woman to be, to, to be together. It's God's design and how that is a gift from God. But it doesn't just fall in your lap. The Bible says, he who finds a good wife, cut the video game off, go find one. Okay, enough preaching about that. Right. Speaks to re raising a child. Uh, Proverbs chapter 22 Raising a child is a topic. Chapter 22, verse 6. The text says, train up a child. And remember, Proverbs, um, pro Proverbs are prescriptive sometimes and descriptive sometimes. Like sometimes the, the prescription is, if you'll do this, we look for this to happen. Sometimes it is describing what has happened. So, for instance, right here. <clears throat> when it comes to raising a child, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Now, that's, you know, that's not true for all of us. We've trained up a child in the way that he should go, and he should do that, and sometimes it doesn't work out. It's not saying, if you'll do that, then, then this will happen. What the proverb is that if it's going to happen, if he's going to, then it has to happen early. You have to train them up. It's part of what we're doing. We have children here in, in Awana. That's a lot of times people, when they homeschool, why do they do that? For that, for this, this, this verse right here. Raising a child. Uh, how about another topic would be a peaceful, uh, peaceful home. Man, there's very, very few things as good as an actual peaceful home. Truthfully, I... Uh, you know, I've been married 31 years. I've been doing ministry for that long. My first two churches didn't make anything. I, I was paid $150 a week in my first church. I could live in the parsonage. That was the, and then if I could find a way to make other money, then go ahead. I could. So I drove a dump truck, coached football. I did everything I could. Hauled hay, whatever. That was a young man's game, by the way. Uh, and, and Connie worked. And, and ministry's hard. People just sort of take stuff out of you. Like, even here at Texas Grove, I've been here 14 years now, coming up in January. Everybody's sort of used to you now. I mean, you know, you just, I, don't get, I just don't get that many complaints anymore. I used to. But everybody's just sort of, okay, that's kind of the way it is. So I don't, I don't get them like I, like I used to. But, man, when I first got here, and, and, and for a little while, I was the new pastor. I was preaching five times a Sunday. I remember that five times every Sunday. I was preaching five sermons. And, and I had to be the head of school. So I was the head of school for 18 months, and, five, and I was then trying to change staff. And uh, one of the great blessings was come home, and my, my house was peaceful. I just didn't, it was like a retreat. I mean, when the kids were small, uh, there was something that Connie was able to make so that I just didn't, I wasn't hassled home and everywhere else in life was that's a that's a gift from the lord um a peaceful home chapter 15 verse verse 17 better is dinner better is a dinner of herbs and some of some of your anybody's translation say vegetables now i don't eat vegetables so I read this, I think, that is the Lord right there. I mean, that is, right, this is God's word speaking right here. I think his best translation is, uh, better is a, a cold vegetable. Whoever even, better is a dinner of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox, than a prime rib. So you get everything you want when it comes to possessions and you're eating great. But if your home is a wreck, You'd be better off if you're eating celery. Nobody even likes celery. Who's eating celery? But if your home has love there, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a feast. You're having a feast. And the point is a peaceful home. In fact, I'm going to read some verses at the end 
uh, some I just, that I, that I just label them that are kind of, they're just funny to me. And most of them have to do with a quarrelsome wife. Uh, they're just, it's just funny. So, men, if I would suggest you mark them in your Bible <laughs> and pick, pick times to show, pick appropriate times to show, but a peaceful home. Uh, one more, seven, uh, chapter 17, verse 1 is another picture of a peaceful home. Oh, this is one of them. This is one of them. Better is a dry morsel with quiet. So a saltine cracker <laughs> with quiet than a house full of feasting and is strife and tension and hard to live there. And the point that, that, that it is that at home, man, it's good to be, one of the topics is a peaceful home. I'll give you another topic, uh, work. Work is a topic. All through the book of Proverbs, I'll just give you one example. And this is just honest work. Chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, chapter 11, verse 1. A false balance, here's, this is dishonesty. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. You're, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do. That's honoring to, to the Lord. You can take that principle and drive it all the way into just lifestyle. Nobody's looking. It's a job that you have. Even, even if it's a job that you hate, it's one that's not glamorous. And you know that God gets delight out of the fact that you're doing it correctly. This is part of that Protestant work ethic. This is the Bible feeds that in us. Why do we do this? this is a, even if you're not a Christian, that worldview has been passed down to us. There's a right way to do things. That didn't just happen. That, that comes from what the Bible teaches. Or another topic, uh, I've labeled it uh, good manners. I didn't know what else to say. Good manners. Chapter 23. I'm going to flip a couple of these. Chapter 23, chapter 25, chapter 26, but I'll just go through quickly. Chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat <laughs> if you are given to appetite. Now, you go into this rich man's house, he's going to have a really good meal. And if you be careful how much that you eat, do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. That's interesting. Chapter 25. Uh, chapter 25, verses 1 and 2. I'm sorry. Chapter 25, verses 16 and 17. 16 and 17, not 1 and 2. If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. <laughs> Or, how about this, verse 17, you should amen to this. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Now, some of you have some neighbors, you're like, hey, I may put this on the door. <laughs> I mean, it's a good reminder. And this is where this whole idea of, of not staying too much, that comes from the Bible. This is the Bible teaching good manners. Uh, chapter 26, chapter 26, verse 16. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Have you ever known anybody like that? I mean, he does nothing, but man, is an expert at it. That's armchair quarterbacking right there. Whoever meddles in a quarrel that is not his own, what a metaphor, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. In other words, mind your own business. That's what the Bible is teaching. Uh, I'll give you one more when it comes to manners. Chapter 27, verse 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. That's a good word right there. Be a good neighbor, read the Bible. 
One other thing, one other topic I'll give you is, uh, is eternity. If you flip back, just flip to chapter 23. It may not be as explicit here, but I'll show you another one. Eternity, the topic is there. Chapter 23, verse 17 and 18. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. That's Proverbs. That's Old Testament. Or, or uh, chapter 14, I flip back just a little bit. Here's eternity in chapter 14, verse 32. The wicked is overthrown through his evil doing. But the righteous finds refuge in his death. The righteous finds refuge in his death. There's this, this Old Testament hint toward eternity. Okay, some of the topics. Uh, let's go to the next, uh, number two or three, I think. is the, the, the next one is the characters. There are certain characters in, the, in, in Proverbs that show up. Uh, th those characters, I'll just give them to you quickly. One is the fool. That's one of the characters. You see a lot of the fool. I'll describe who the fool is. What is the description? What does it mean to be a fool? The second character is the simple. We have a couple texts to talk about the simple. Uh, the third character is, is wisdom personified. She's a noble woman, so personified as a woman. And then... Um, the last character is the, the foolish woman uh, or the strange woman. Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's just look at a couple of, what do we know about the fool? I'll just, I'll just list them for you so you don't flip. The fool, number one, rejects God. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fool, what do we... What, the fool rejects God. Okay, so the second thing about the fool, we don't know about the fool. Number two, a fool rejects forgiveness. Chapter 14, verse 9. Chapter 15, verse 8. Fool rejects forgiveness. Chapter 14, verse 9. Chapter 15, verse 8. You can look these up later if you'd like. The fool has a dangerous influence. Chapter 13, verse 20. Dangerous influence. And also chapter 17, verse 2. A fourth one, I'll read this one to you. The fourth thing about a fool is that he causes grief to his parents. Chapter 10, verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. That's the fool. I'll give you one. I'll give you a fifth one about a, about a fool. Chapter 8, verse 5. The fool is not beyond hope. Chapter 5, verse 1. The call is, O simple one. Uh, chapter, I'm sorry. Chapter 8, verse 5. O simple ones, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. There is hope that they're going to learn some sense. Right, that's the fool. How about the simple? The simple. Chapter 14, verse 5. What do we know about the simple? There, a simple person is easily misled. Uh, a simple person is not committed to wisdom or folly. They're just here and, and easily taken off track. Chapter 14, verse 5. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. A scoffer seeks, keep reading, a, a, a scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Okay, that's, that's the fool, uh, that's the simple, let's go and look at, at, at wisdom. Wisdom is personified in chapters 1 through 9. When you read the book of Proverbs, it doesn't just start off like with Proverbs. Proverbs is broken up. And chapters 1 through 9 has more story. It's poetic. Chapter 10, all the Proverbs start. That we understand Proverbs. 
chapters 1 through 9, uh, wisdom is personified as this noble lady that, that should be pursued. You're pursuing wisdom. Uh, and it's broken up into four points. So I'll, give, I'll just give you the reference, and I'll go to chapter 9. It'll be the last one. The first poem is Proverbs 1, 20 through 33. Oh, we got a minute. Let me read a little bit of it. we got a minute. So here's wisdom. Remember, it's a woman. Chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the market. She raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out at the entrance of the city. She speaks, and this is what she says. How long, O simple ones? Will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I will laugh at your calamity. I'll mock with terror when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they'll call upon me, but I will not answer. They'll seek me diligently. I will not they will not find me because they hated knowledge. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. Would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way, have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. Whoever listens, though, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread or disaster. So you have several of these poems like that that run from, from chapter 1 to chapter 9. So the second poem, I'll just give you the reference. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13 to 20 is another wisdom poem about this lady wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 8, verses 1 through 36, so virtually the whole chapter, is a, is a story of, of wisdom. And then my favorite is chapter 9, verses, we already read it, chapter 9, verses 1 through 18 is wisdom and folly, the two women standing and calling out to the simple man walking by. These two competing women, both of them beautiful, one seductive, one not quite as seductive, but she is beautiful. She, and they're both calling out. That's the picture, the metaphor of wisdom and, and folly. Let me, uh, let me talk a little bit about, let me see if I can skip around. I want to talk a little bit about this strange woman. Strange woman. I won't do much with her, but just some. When I was uh, at Dolphin Way Baptist Church, um, I was doing, I would preach, I only had one, I was preaching one sermon. So I always felt like I, I need to be doing something else. So I was, uh, we had Sunday school after church, after, so the church was like at 10, Sunday school was afterwards. And uh, we started a college class, and I was the teacher. So I was teaching the college class, and, and Connie and another lady were running it, and uh, it became sort of a uh, just ask anything class. So like, they would come with questions, they would ask, and that would become the topic. That's what we taught that, that morning. And uh, I met with a guy that he, he started, he was trying to date a girl that uh, was too speedy for him. She was too much a woman for him. And I told him. Uh, and this is a proverb that I used. I, I said, he came to my office. I said, let me, let me just, I'm just going to read to you from the Bible. You sit there and you listen to what I'm getting ready to read to you. So this is what I wrote. Chapter 8. Chapter 8 starts in verse 6. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple... I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. Passing along the street to her corner, 
taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night, and in darkness. Behold, the woman meets him. She's, she's dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She's loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home, now in the street, now in the market. At every corner, she lies in wait. She seizes him, kisses him with a bold face. And she says to him, I, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I've paid my vows, so now I have come out to meet you. To seek you eagerly, I have found you. I spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens from Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. See, my husband's gone. He's not at home. He's on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him at full moon. That's when he'll come home. So here's the commentary. So the, the writer now backs away and says, With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her. It's like he was fighting, but all at once, he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Now, O oh sons, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for many a victim has she laid low. And all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol. It goes down to the chambers of death. Now that is a hard tale. And all throughout the book of Proverbs is, 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 is given this call to young men. Because this is written primarily to sons. Be careful. Okay. So let me, that's enough of that. Let me give you just a couple of things before we go. About five or six, ten more minutes. Normally, if Rick's, uh, Rick's teaching, you get out early, right? Rick's teaching, you get out early, and if Tyler's talking, you go late, right? I'm going to be right in the middle of those two. All right, here, uh, there is a non-gospel. What is a non-gospel reading of Proverbs? A non-gospel reading is anybody can read Proverbs. You don't have to be a Christian. You can read Proverbs, do what it says. You'll have a really good life before you go to hell. I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying? You can, if you'll take this, it's common grace wisdom. Do these things. Work hard. Be nice. Don't cheat on your wife. All of these things. Use good manners. Don't, I mean, it's really basic wisdom. Do that. You, anybody can take Proverbs and it be useful. That's a non-gospel non reading of Proverbs. You can take Proverbs, a little bumper sticker theology. That's what Proverbs is. It's one proverb, it's a bumper sticker, put it on your life, look at that, do that. Anybody can do that. A gospel reading of Proverbs tells us that this is God's specific wisdom given to His people that can be lived out fully in Christ. That Jesus is God's wisdom. That's 1 Corinthians 1.24. That Jesus is the wisdom of God. And if this is wisdom literature, then this points us to what it looks like to follow Christ. Uh, Matthew 7, Jesus says that the, that the wise man, the wise man builds his house on the rock. The rock is Christ. If this is written by Solomon, who is the, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem, then Jesus is the greater and better and more pure Solomon. That's how you would read that in a gospel. It's a gospel reading of Proverbs. Now, let's, um, let me close with some fun. I, I found them to be fun reads. I'll go through quickly till we've just run out of time. You flip through the Bible with me. One that you probably already know, should know, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Who can finish it? Lean not on your, 
in all your ways, acknowledge him. Right. I think there used to be a song. That's how I learned it. Uh, that is a really good proverb. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22. Like a gold ring, look at the picture here. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Looks aren't everything. That's a good proverb. Proverbs 12, uh, Proverbs 12, verse 13. An evil man is ensnared. He trips by the transgression of his lips. An evil man talks too much. He falls over his lips. But the righteous escapes from trouble. Proverbs 14, verse 4. Where there are no oxen. Don't you know this one? Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Where there are no kids in the house, there's no laundry to do. But all those kids, there's life and happiness. You can't have one without the other. Going to have a lot of activity. Going to have a church like this. Man, we're going to have do lots of good things. An ox is great for plowing and I need that. But there's a whole lot of stuff that goes with it. With ox. There's no ox, the manger is clean, the stall's clean, nothing to clean out because you don't have an ox. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good proverb. Uh, chapter 15, verse 17. Better is a dinner, uh, we are, where did you that, Emily? As herbs, as vegetables, cold vegetables, yeah. All right, you already read that one. Chapter 17, verse 28, we're going to get into marriage here in a little bit. Some of the nagging wife ones. 17, 28, even a fool who keeps, oh, this is my wife's favorite. I should say, it's her favorite one to quote to me. <laughs> Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. I don't, actually, now that I'm thinking, I don't know if that's her favorite or one she tells me all the time. I just thought it was her favorite. Chapter 19, verse 13. A foolish son is ruined to his father, and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. It never stops. Uh, chapter 20, verse 14. Bad, bad, says the buyer, but when it goes away, then he boasts. Walked into the car dealership, and you're, this is terrible, this is terrible, and you finally get the price down to where you want it, and after complaining about how bad the price is, when you talk to your friends, you tell everybody, Man, I got a deal on that car. That's what this is right here. Bad, bad, says the buyer, but he walks away and he boasts about what he got. Uh, chapter 21, verse 9. 9 and 19 go together. I got them connected. In my Look, I just got them connected right here. 9 and 19. It is better to live in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Verse 19. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrel. He had had a bad day that day, hadn't he? <laughs> than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Chapter 23. Chapter 23 verses, uh, we read about that. We read chapter 23. Let's go chapter 25, uh, 24. Just 24. Yeah, here's another one. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Chapter 26 verse 11. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. That is vivid right there. So true. Okay. Uh, chapter 27, verse 15, 16, and 17. Oh, it's the same, same sort of thing. Continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. And then verse, 20, verse 17 is what I think of what I was looking for. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. There's discipleship in Proverbs 27, 17. Proverbs 30, verse 17. This is one I think ought to be on every refrigerator where kids live. 
The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. You could, that could be your devotional reading at night. Before they go to bed, you read that to them. Read that to your children right there. I thought that was a really good uh, proverb. Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, an excellent wife, from, from chapter 31 to verse 10. Uh, chapter 31, starting in verse 10. I won't read all of it. What a beautiful picture of, of the aspirational. Here's the aspiration of all the help and the hard work and the nobility of a godly woman. Proverbs 31. Let me close by giving some suggestion on the usefulness. How do you, how can you use Proverbs? Uh, well, number one is God's word. If you read it, it's going to be good for you, even when it doesn't taste good. Read it. Ask God to speak to you. It becomes nourishment for your soul. Even if you didn't enjoy the meal, it's still good for your soul. So we trust God's word. Uh, the second thing, if you have children or grandchildren, uh, you can take a proverb and, and pray those proverbs specific. They are written for the youth. So you can pray for your son or daughter to turn out like this, to avoid this. It is a good guide for the specifics of praying for uh, your children. In fact, you can uh, take the Proverbs, you take a genius to do this, 31, just read one a day and use it as a prayer guide for uh, children or young people that you, you know. Proverbs, uh, a way a Christian uses a proverb is it's part of, of natural, common grace wisdom that God has given specifically for us. It's humbling. Proverbs are humbling. And they're good for wisdom just for everyday life. And when you read the book of Proverbs, um, Proverbs are a good display of human nature. And if they were written, let's say Solomon wrote them uh, in 940 B.C., two, if they're written almost 2,000 years ago, it is something that very little has changed 2,000 years. This is the way people are. That it was a bad idea 2,000 years ago to spend a whole lot of time at your neighbor's house just like it is now. So when you're reading Proverbs, one of the things I took comfort in is that here's a picture of, of human nature. And the last one is that the Proverbs are good for our soul. Read the Proverbs. They're good to add to your own growth in Christian wisdom. Okay, it's been a lot of fun going through the book of Proverbs. Let me pray, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would wake us up tomorrow morning in enough time to spend adequate time in your word to be strengthened for the day, that you would hear our prayers, that you would guide our thoughts. Father, we pray for our church that you find us faithful, remaining strong, being joyfully true to your word. We pray for our students and children that you'd hold them close, that you would use us to point them to Christ, that you'd find us faithful, that you would bring us back here Sunday ready to worship with the joy of the Lord being our strength. Go with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.